0: This is the Action Network podcast. And it is good. Without further ado,
1: that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm
2: gonna
0: just leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Absolutely. (laughs)
2: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, NBA edition. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined as always by Raheem Palmer and Brandon Anderson, bringing you the best NBA information on futures. We're going to talk about a number of things today. All odds brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network. While you're here, make sure to download and subscribe, rate and review our podcast, helps us out so much. And you can get great other shows like our golf show, our MLB show, the NFL draft is over, so you can get in the futures. Make sure to check out the favorites as well with Simon Hunter and Chad Millman. That show is awesome. Check out that as well. Also, make sure to to follow us on Twitter at Action Network HQ. You can check out stuff like our Twitter spaces, which pretty sure that we're going to be doing an MVP Twitter space at some point this week or next week, as well as – We'll be doing complete playoff coverage, giving you some rooms, especially on the play-in tournament on Twitter Spaces. Make sure to check that out. On today's show, uh, we're going to give you our thoughts on betting the playoffs, about what are the spots that we look for, how do we position ourselves as betters in a playoff environment, given the amount of options that we have now versus what we used to have before uh, things opened up in the U.S. being legal. Uh, We will also go back to the future and talk exclusively about the Los Angeles Lakers and the very bizarre position that we are in with the Lakers and where I am at with a number of futures trying to figure out what I need to do. Uh, We also are introducing a new segment this week called the victory lap. Why? Because I do this show with Raheem and Brandon and (laughs) I'm always like another one, another victory lap. So we add an entire segment. So I'm trying to quarantine their victory lapping to one segment. We'll see if we can do that as Well, all right, guys, let's kick it off with our marquee, the marquee. You can hear the chatter from the crowd. So our marquee this week, we want to talk about the NBA playoffs. And we're talking about this more from a betting construct perspective. So what are the spots that you're specifically looking for? Because everybody has like a number of things. Obviously, before we get started, it's important to get the best of the number. You can do that by following the action network on Twitter to get all of our information, as well as downloading the action network app with all of our analysis. We'll have things like, Hey, you know, when the lines first come out on Sunday night, you're going to start getting series prices either Sunday night or Monday after the playoffs. end. at that point, like there will be opportunities early where like every year there's a series price that does not look like it's right. And that's, you want to be able to get in on that. You want to get closing line value even on series prices versus uh games and you can do all that if you download the action network app let's start with Raheem so Raheem how does I know that everything you do is built off of your model
0: yeah
2: how does that change if at all in the playoffs in terms of do you look to angle more towards series prices are you looking to bet games do you want to wait until after a series has started and then see if you can find overreaction in the market what's your general approach in the playoffs
3: um, I mean, it depends. Um, it varies based on series to series. Like there's certain series where if I think a, a team is going to win game one and I like them for the series, I'm trying to be the first one in the market. Yeah. Now, there's other series like I'll give you an example, like the Nuggets played the Spurs in 2019. I like the Spurs for game one, but I like the Nuggets for the series. So I bet the Spurs game won and then came back on the Nuggets. So it's just all like a series by series thing. And then also I think adjustments are such a big part of the playoffs. So you'll be watching the series and you might like one team before the series start and then you see an adjustment and that totally changes the series. Like I think one of the biggest adjustments that I've seen in a playoff series was Golden State versus Memphis. I think Ron Adams decided that, you know what, we're not going to guard Tony Allen. And once they did that, the Grizzlies were drawing dead. So and then it allows you to you you can say you know what I'm going to bet the series price in in through the series, and then I'm going to bet every game in that series. So it's really a, it, it depends on the series how you how you approach it. But I think if you like a team and you know they're a favorite, you got to jump out right away and, and try to bet that as soon as possible.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good point about if you like them in game one and you like them to win the series, like that's where you're going to get the best value, right? Like immediately after, if a a favorite loses that game one. Now I will say like there's, there are times if it's a heavy favorite, you can wait. I don't know that you're going to get a better number. You know, you might, if you like a team to upset them in game one and to win the series, if they come, if the favorite comes back and wins game two, you might still be able to get a better number. Sometimes the market will react and be like, okay, they're not down 2 They've already won a game out of the three, the four that they need. You might be able to get a better price there. Um So I think that that's, that's something to consider. Um, Brandon, is there anything that you can really identify as far as when we go into this year's playoffs, because this is the year that I think we have like the most options available to us. I'm excited to see what kind of, I mean, we're already seeing stuff, right? Like bet MGM has a, we've talked about this. They have what round will different teams be eliminated in? That's such a great bet. Like that's the kind of betting that I want to be able to, to get down. Like I'm probably going to go ahead and, and put down uh, jazz to lose in the semifinals plus two twenty five this week. Um, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if there's a scenario where I would not want their second round opponent. And I can't think of a scenario like the only one I can really find is if, if they get the one seed and the Nuggets get the four and the Mavericks get the five that I might not want to bet against the Jazz in the second round. Even then, <laughs> I I'm probably taking might. the game, right? <laughs> but it's it's going to be tough. Brandon, do you have uh, – yeah. what is your general thoughts on your approach for the playoffs?
1: Well, one, one specific thing I thought of uh, as Raheem was talking to, I, I really like – and I don't know – I don't know if I believe that this will work well in this year's playoffs because I don't know exactly how the home court thing is going to hold up this season compared to normal playoffs. But I love when there's an underdog I like in the series. And I love when you watch them and you see the first game, like one of those first two games, they just get run. They lose by like 15 or 20, you know, the favorite, the home team, like just hits a ton of shots. And it just happens. This basketball, you hit a bunch of shots, you win by a bunch of points, so it goes. And then, like, maybe the underdog gets really close but loses one of the games. So now it's 2-0. And at that point, inevitably, every time, the series is over. Everyone goes crazy. It's 2-0. Bury the underdog. The team is dead. And, like, we always hear the thing, like, the, the playoff series doesn't start until the home team loses. And I think that's a little overstated. But in that case, like if there's an underdog that I really like, and like if they if they get blown out game one and make a game of it in game two, I'm just like looking my chops at that opportunity of like, okay, this mm. team's about to go home. We got the yo-yo effect. Like I'm gonna bet bet big on game three. Like they're gonna get that game three. This is the season on the line. Versus mm. like, oh, it'd be nice to close these guys out early. And it's just not the same motivation factor. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also a great spot to bet the series. Even though Mm -hmm. they've got to win four out of five, they have three home games, and then they have to win one out of two road games if they get the home games. And if you really like the underdog better, like it's not a given to win those three home games, but it's it's not as dire of a spot as it looks. It's not as dire of a spot as the books tend to make it. Um, I I was thinking back, I can't remember what year it was. I feel like it was like 2000... 12 or 15, or it's, it's been, it's been a while, but the, one of my best calls that I made is when the Spurs came into the playoffs, absolutely on fire. They had like a big winning streak entering the playoffs and they won, they swept the first round, they swept the second round and they went up 2-0 on the thunder in the Western conference finals. So they're 10 in the playoffs. And I like the thunder coming into that matchup. I remember just, you know, th- these are the old thunder with all the good players on. And I like the athleticism. I like the matchup. And I can't remember right now what it was, but something in game two, I remember it like it was a blowout and it was garbage time and there was a switch. There was like a different lineup or something. The Thunder did. And I remember being like, man, that could work like that, that they might have just found something there. And uh, so the undefeated Spurs 10 know mm-hmm. I, I called Thunder in six mm-hmm. because that sounds crazy, but all it really meant was Thunder win their home games and then take the one other away game in between. And uh, and it was like the Spurs had been on like a 20-something game win streak. And at that point, people were like, man, are the Spurs going to go 16-0? Or are they just going to like sweep through the whole playoffs? They never won mm-hmm. another game that season. and it, And it all keyed on that one lineup adjustment that we saw in game two and then the home switch from game two to game three. And I think mm-hmm. just like that kind of the yo-yo effect possibility, the lineup adjustment possibility, and just, like, looking for the edge where we love to bury teams. We love to see yeah. one huge win and just be like, oh, that's it. That team is done. And teams just bounce back so much. So I'm always looking for that bounce back opportunity.
3: You you touched on something that was probably the greatest sports betting angle in the 21st century. Um, I don't know if you capitalized on it, but there was a period of time for like the last five years where if you backed home teams down 0-2 in the first quarter in the first half, mm-hmm. you hit at such a you probably hit at around a 98% rate to the point where odds makers have now priced it in. So let's just say um the Suns are playing the Jazz and they're up 2-0. No, the Suns are playing the Lakers. They're up 2-0. Coming back. The, the spread for the full game and then the spread for the first half would be the exact same. So you'd have the Lakers laying five for the full game and then five for the first half. And that's the one thing we didn't see during the bubble, which I kind of missed because there was no venue change. But that's an angle that, you know, a lot of people have been capitalizing for like the five, last five, six years. And then even with them pricing it in, it's still not enough. Like it, it was insane. Like it's just... I actually, I'm interested in seeing if that's going to, you know, if it's going to play out the same way it has in the past. Um, right. So, like, you, they, know, you know, lack of fans.
2: Yeah, because, like, you know, Dame yesterday is like, so we're, like, going to be the only team without fans, huh? Is Portland's or Oregon still holding out on a lot of the restrictions, which, you know, between you and me, I'm kind of like, uh, I understand it, though. Um, I, I think that is kind of interesting, right? It's like, it's like watching these teams and when they go home, what the environment is going to be like will be a lot different, especially, like, I'm expecting for second round, like I could see their the I could see capacity being back up to like 10 in a lot of places. Mm. And if it's back up to if it's back up to like 10 for the Lakers in round two. Yeah, like that's like because the Lakers are like this is going to be exciting, right? It's like the Lakers are going to be on the road to start almost every series, which means that you're going to like that's maybe something that I'm going to key in on is if the Lakers have to go on the road for every series, and we'll talk about them and their general problems in a little bit, but if they start to look healthy and suddenly like, Oh, Hey, the Lakers look pretty good now. Like shock of all shocks Uh, going on the road. Like you would expect them if they were the favorite as they would be in most seasons to win the first two games at home and then drop either three or four. Right. And then go on to win the series. So if we flip it, like you should expect them to drop one of the first two and then go back home and win the and win the two. So this is going to be a spot where, with the Lakers specifically, I think you'll be able to maybe find an edge betting what the series price is at after those first two games. And then you do have teams, I think, that are going to be without a high number of fans, especially in um, large cities, are going to have a really hard time with those capacity issues because of the, the, the threat of another surge. And so you have to factor that in versus, like, you know, the Heat, I wouldn't be surprised if it's full capacity for, for game three, for the heat, right? Like if the, if the heat wind up in the playoffs. Um, So by the way, congrats to to Brandon for victory lapping uh, five minutes into the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to victory lap right now. Uh, So last year I hit two big ones. I also was on the Spurs 2012 Thunder series. You mentioned the lineup change for me. It was, this was the lesson to me. What you want to do is, you have to watch the losses. And the reason, like, you can't turn it off and be like, ah, it's over. Like, don't do that. Okay. Because if you're watching that game, you will sometimes find small stuff that a team finds in a loss that can carry over. The Spurs and Thunder in that game, too, as everyone was like burying OKC, I was like, I think they found something here because. What they started doing was Westbrook started getting to the elbow and just taking the pull up jumper instead of trying to attack the rim. Now you're thinking like, but Russ is a horrible shooter. Okay, but he didn't used to be. He used to be an inconsistent shooter when he was younger and had a lot more lift in his legs, but he could hit that. And the Spurs were giving him so much space that when he started to hit that, everything changed in terms of the Spurs defense. They started panicking, trying to figure out how to cover it. And that opened up other things. And there was also like them playing Ibaka, like changing a lot in that series as well. Like there was just like these things that shifted in that series. You could have done the same thing last year with Denver, right? So th- this is stuff that's in hindsight. I took Denver um, versus the Jazz, the minus 195 on the series price before the series started. And by game three, I was already like, well, that's just a lost cause. But I will say this, like um, in game four, When the Jazz went up 3-1, they won, but it was a really close game. It wasn't the blowout that game three was, which was an abject disaster for the Nuggets. Like, game four was they came out, they put together a really good effort, and you could tell that they had figured out some stuff. Like, the Jazz won that game, but it felt more like like that's a game you can look back and say the tide has turned, but it's also like the Jazz could have easily won that series. But I do think you can find these kind of spots – if you do have an instinct and you go like, all right, they can turn this. You have to factor in how much you trust that coach to implement those changes. Um, I wrote this week on action network, a big article up on the site about the differences between regular season teams Mm. and playoff teams. And it, it's got a bunch of things that I'm I look at every year, but especially now this year, we actually have the metrics to be able to identify these teams. So the things I talked about were how much do you use drop defense because if you only use drop defense, you're not really in a comfort zone to be able to do other things. Sometimes you just literally can't because you'll get torched every time. Like the Sixers are an interesting question in this regard because yeah. the Sixers run what's called uh, an ice soft coverage, which means what they do is they drop and be back and pick and roll and they try and push everything away from the middle to make it tough for you to get in the middle. Cause if you're in the middle, you can pass to either side. You can shoot the little, little floater in the middle. They are trying to force you away from the middle at all points. And then Embiid is dropping to protect the rim. Um, So that's like a drop coverage and you should be able to get some shots off, but the, the Sixers have really good guards at getting over screens and contesting. And so the question is like, if they run into a spot where they are not able to get over those screens and they're facing like an elite ball handling threat are you going? Are they going to be able to switch up their coverage enough to get the stops that they need? Like that's a really interesting question. Boston's probably the most interesting team from this perspective, but Atlanta, I think, falls into this category as well. Like as much as I think it'd be easy to just bet against the Hawks in this regard. Look, if if they can't get over the screen on Trey Young, and you're giving Trey Young all sorts of space. That could get tough. Like Trey's got the ability to go off consistently, so like that's an issue. Like th- these are little things, and even if you don't want to have the series price, the last thing I'd say is I really like when they have the differences in wins. The it's basically win spread, right? Yeah. So minus one and a half is if you think that they're going to win by, if either they're going to win three one or four one, right, or four two rather. Uh, If a six game win is is minus one and a half, that gives you that differential. Plus, if you take the plus on it, it gives you a little bit of room. So like the Nuggets last year versus the Clippers, I bet the Nuggets to win the series. But my bigger bet was on the Nuggets, I think plus two and a half was the number because they really expected the Clippers to just beat them down. And so getting those types of numbers, watch out for those. And again, you can find those on Action Network. We'll have all those numbers up on the site. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. I think the one thing I like about playoff basketball is, you know, I bet NFL too. And the one thing about NFL is that the public has its say Yeah. on a regular, you know, regular season game at 1 PM, the public is going to create an inefficiency in the market. And it's not the same for an NBA game, um, like at all until the playoffs. So it's just, there's going to be times during the playoffs where it's like, I mean, I think the last two years I was able to get edges on teams that the public really liked. Um, I know the most famous one for me is, you know, Raptors versus Bucks. Um, for me. And I hate the victory lap, but the Raptors were down 0-2, And I literally, you know, I bet them to win the series after game two. And then I bet them every single game and the line kept moving against me. So I think at one point, I was able to get the Raptors as eight-point dogs in game five and then get them at like plus 360. <laughs> and what should have been a pick'em for me. And then obviously last year with the, the Celtics in the heat, it was just like the public were just overwhelmingly on the heat. And I mean on the Celtics. And then the funny thing about that series to me was that the Celtics power rating was going up after losses. <laughs> and there was no venue change.
2: Because they outplayed them, Raheem. They outplayed them. (laughs) I'm still so mad. I also, look, I will never, I'm never, ever going to get over Fred Van Vliet in that series versus the Bucks. The nemesis, Fred Van Vliet. I get it. I understand why you're so proud of yourself in that. I will go down, like, okay, here's the difference. There are Bucks employees who don't think they were the best team in that series, and I argue with them for their own team being like, no, no, no. You should have won. Who, who was this? This, 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 this was Seth? You had this argument with Seth? Uh, no. Other folks. Okay,
3: because no, I, no. I had this conversation. I had this conversation with Seth about, i say about a year ago. Um, And I was telling him, I was like, yo, that's a 50-50 series. And I mean, to me, the Raptors should have won game one. Like you remember game one, the Raptors weren't leading the entire game until the fourth quarter and they ran out of gas largely because they played a seven-game series against the Sixers.
2: Yeah. So So, Wait, that's actually kind of interesting um, as a separate point. Yeah. Because we we can draw a parallel between that and 2013 Warriors-Nuggets, where the Warriors were leading almost the entire game, and Andre Miller made a spinning reverse layup for the Nuggets to win game one. And, like, there was a sense afterwards of, like, the, the common consensus was like, oh, wow, the Warriors put up a good fight, but, you know, the Nuggets still won, so they're fine, they'll play better. Yeah. Like, I do wonder, we need to actually go back and, like, look at this in bet labs um, and find out, which you can find on ActionNetwork.com, and find out if a team is leading after three quarters in game one as a dog, how often mm-hmm. they win the series. That is a
3: good yeah. that's a good thing to track. I didn't that, think
2: about
1: that. That Bucks game I, I was at that game one and I remember that, not being a fan of either team but basically, you know, Milwaukee is a relatively local team and it was exciting young Bucks team Giannis's first chance so we my buddy and I were just kind of rooting for the Bucs, part of the home crowd, the frenzy and it was their first big opportunity and I remember just like throughout the game us looking at each other like this might not be a fun exit strategy for us like this is not going well and but like brook lopez scored like 30 points or something he just kept hitting over and over and then at the end you're leaving you're like man it's the brook lopez game Uh, the bucks they just have so many weapons like even when Giannis didn't play well and middleton didn't hit shots but brook came through and you like you you spin the narrative to yourself to be like, oh yeah, the Bucks had it all the way, even when they didn't play well. Mm-hmm. Lopez came through right. when that wasn't the lesson. The lesson actually was, yeah, this is going to be a tough series.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I just I always go back to um, the real difference in that series was shooting. Um, the Bucks scheme was built to try and it's it's not accurate to say they just leave guys wide open. They want to target specific shooters, and so they stayed home on Lowry. Uh, that this is a I found this crazy one when I went back and looked at last year's uh, Bucks Heat series, and like we were all on the Heat that series. Everybody at action was on the Heat that series. We were on that on that from like we knew in before the bubble we were going to be betting that series, mm. so we were all on it. Um, but the key was like if I told you the Heat beat the Bucks with shooting and I, and you, I said, who do you think made the threes? Your answer would be Duncan Robinson, right? Spot up shooter, the best in the league. Jay Crowder made more threes than Duncan Robinson. The Bucks guarded Duncan Robinson really well. That's mm-hmm. the difference with the Bucks and their drop scheme. Now this year, I will say this. We talk a lot about this team. I, I do think you need to be more cautious with betting against Milwaukee this year um, from the perspective of they are, they have diversified their coverage so much. Eric Nem over at the athletic has tried documenting this and like, he's going to be going back and being like, I said, this, I said, this, I said, he'll be victory lapping um, because I, I don't think he thinks they're going to win. Right. Because they do have a lot of other issues, but I do think that they are fundamentally a different team with drew And I think that they are a different team in terms of how much they've changed up their scheme. Like they have, they have tried different lineups, different combos, and that's a big reason why they beat the nets in these two games. These are regular season games without Harden. I get it, but don't be surprised if Milwaukee is a lot better than people expect, because they have, they have put the work in to get used to this, to playing other schemes. A big reason why coaches don't change their scheme is because they'd rather be great at what they do than okay at a lot of things. And a key part of my argument in the article I wrote was that you'd rather be be pretty good to okay at a bunch of different things than great at a scheme that exposes you. This is the jazz problem.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, one thing, Matt, that I took away from your article, very good, definitely make sure you go read it, everyone. Um, I thought that it was really interesting the conclusions you drew on the nets as uh, are we collectively still underrating the nets a little bit, just in their their switchability on defense, giving them a little bit more defensive versatility or upside, I think, than than we're really allowing them. And obviously, like they have the shot makers, they have they have the guys, you know, they, they have a lot of answers that they can give to the the questions other teams will ask of them. And so in preparation for this today, I was trying to think uh, what what would be my version of your article. Like what what are if I had to list out what are my bullet points of these are the things I'm really trying to think about. You know, like my playoff manifesto. These are my five or ten items. And I don't know, this isn't this is not as well researched as yours, but some of the things I came up with, like at the top of my list, I want to see offensive firepower upside. Like I think as much as anything else. To me, more than defensive versatility, great offense beats good defense. And if I have more offensive weapons than your defense can adjust to, like if I'm the Warriors, the old Warriors, or or whatever the answer is, you just can't answer all my all my questions I'm asking. That's obviously a Nets upside there. Number two, best player on the court. Can, can I have a guy just take over the game? And if I'm the Nets, I have two, possibly three guys that can do that, but certainly two. And in any Eastern Conference, I have two guys that I would rather have than any guy on your team in any playoff series until we see Giannis or Embiid take that next step. And in any series, unless it's the Lakers in the finals, I think I have two guys I'd rather have probably than either of your guys. Unless if, you know, the Nuggets get there, that's its own thing. Um, Yo-Yo effect I mentioned earlier, three-point shooting. Obviously, the Nets have huge amounts of that. Yeah. Coaching—that's yeah. a big question mark. I don't know what yeah. the coaching is going to be. I don't that that. The problem with these things is one weak weak link can negate all the rest because it, coaching can make you have bad lineups and take away a lot of these other advantages. But uh, even yeah. from there, difficult shot making—that's the Nets' strength. Even bench strength. I think that we can overrate benches. But one of the yeah. things I was excited about the Nets when they made the Harden trade was that for 48 playoff minutes of every game, they're going to have Kyrie or Harden or Durant on the court. Like you're, they're going to play some poor team who has an actual bench unit in for four minutes or eight minutes, and Harden is going to be in just tearing them apart for a few minutes in the second and fourth quarters. We haven't really seen that play out yet because those three have never been all together enough for us to see it. But I mm-hmm. think, like think of those times, how many LeBron games have we watched for the last decade where LeBron sits for like 90 seconds of the whole half, and his team loses those 90 seconds by eight points, and that ends up swinging the entire game, the Nets have the opposite of that. Like, go ahead, try go ahead and try to buy one minute against our Harden or Durant or Kyrie team. I there to me, the Nets have so many answers to some of these key questions that I I think from my perspective, agreeing with you, I, mean, I think that we're underrating them. I just think they have a lot of answers that we're going to be asking of them.
3: You know, when it comes to the Nets, I think, um, and obviously they're dropping down to the seed. I think I, I speak about this a lot, but I truly believe in the, accumula- the, the cumulative impact of certain series. Like I wrote last year on the Action Network about teams that go to seven game series. So I'm going to give you some numbers. Teams that play in a seven-game series and win game seven, they're 32 and 47 straight up in game one of the following, following series. Teams that win game seven are 33 and 46 straight up in the following series altogether. Mm. So, mm. so so, it's just like that's – and that's one of the reasons why I like Miami last year because the Celtics played a tough seven-game series, and I weighed some of that into that series. Um, you know, I always I always look at 2016. What if the Warriors didn't play Oklahoma City and had to go to seven games? Um, and the Cavs did. Like, the Cavs came off a series against the Raptors in which it was a six-game series. But they, I mean, they won by one of the biggest point differentials in Eastern Conference Finals history while the Warriors were struggling. So I weigh that in. So with the Nets likely having to go through the Bucks and the Sixers, and then, you know, whoever is in the West, I'm – I'm dropping them down a step, just because I just don't believe that any team can truly go through that that much and and make it through.
2: If you're wondering after these these two games versus the the Nets, where the Bucks looked really impressive, like this, was, these were really good wins. KD and Kyrie played. I know no Harden, but KD and Kyrie played, and the Bucks still won both games and looked great in both games. If you're wondering like how to evaluate that, I will say this. Throw out regular season record. The key is don't pay attention to the win-loss record. If you have time, which Mm -hmm. many of you listening actually have jobs to do, but if you have time, go back and watch the games because what you're really looking for is you're trying to identify matchup problems Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of times where you'll be like, this is what I found last year was you would have situations where the starters would absolutely beat the snot out of the other team in all their matchups. Like if they played four times starters, they would win the first quarter every time, but the bench units would give up those leads and then it'd be back and forth. And the other team would win like a close one. But the difference is in the playoff series, you're not going to have those extended bench minutes. You're not going to have those extended bench lineup minutes, especially even if it starts off early, like pay attention to coaching decisions, right? Like some coaches will be like, no, no, no I we've, i this, this line has been good for us all year. Like that's the question I have with Monty Williams, Mm -hmm. is you got campaign and cam Johnson in their first playoff appearance. Are they going to trust those lineups or is Monty going to stagger everything? If he staggers them and we're going to know real early, like the game one of the sun's first round series, which is probably going to be pretty tough considering the teams that are in. um, We're going to know pretty quick. We, we will know pretty quick if, if Williams is going to be a coach that we can trust in those situations. We've never seen Monty Williams as a favorite great coach. Never seen him in this spot and it's hard. Did Payne, Payne never played on those
3: Oklahoma City teams in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I guess he probably did. I forget how 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 many years Payne's been in the league cuz I'm old. Yeah, he was on that he was on that 2006
3: um, 16 team that you know blew the 3-1 league.
2: Right, right, right. Regardless, I don't think he's played this kind of a role, right? Yeah, that's I think true. He never played like this kind of a role. So you got Payne, you got Cam Johnson, but you also like look, you even got Mikhail Bridges and, and guys like that. So you got more experience all the way through. Can you trust lineups that don't feature Chris, like the question about Booker and Aiden is an entirely different one. What we're really talking about is like Saric, and Chris and the other vets on that team and Crowder. Yeah. Like can you, can you trust those lineups without them? So th- this is all stuff that you've got to consider. That's, this has been really good. I love, like, this is a great segment. I'm happy we did this. Um, we'll have more for you on the playoffs as we get closer.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer, Matt Mitchell, here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus they're compatible with BetSync. So when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Now back to the show.
2: For right now, it's time to go back to the future.
3: Back to the future. So take me away. I don't mind.
2: But you me I'll be back in time. Gents, the Los Angeles Lakers were, quote, a broken team, according to David Meneman of the of ESBN after their loss to the Raptors on Sunday night. And so, of course, without LeBron James, they turn around and they beat the Nuggets on Monday as Anthony Davis, after taking a brutal and vicious hit from 5'9", Faku Campazo, screamed, we're back <laughs> to the crowd. Um, here's where we're at with the Lakers. They are currently tied for the fifth seed with the Dallas Mavericks, the Mavericks own tiebreaker. The Mavericks play the Nets this week. The Lakers have a back-to-back versus the Clippers and Blazers. Uh, LeBron James will not play in either game. The Blazers game is especially massive. The winner of that game wins tiebreaker. If the Cl- Lakers were to lose that game, their odds of sliding in the play, into the play-in game go up considerably. Now, look, like there's a lot of ways that the Lakers can still get the five. Our projections right now still have them at the five seed we have a new system up on action network it's a playoff picture it actually we're simming every game and getting you an idea of what the matchups are supposed to be so you can start thinking ahead on these matchups and it also gives you an idea of how much motivation teams have every night my question for you brandon i have a lot of lakers futures i have like a lot of lakers futures and i don't know whether to add or hedge at this point what do you think
1: yeah i i am not adding lakers futures right now and i don't i don't know if i'm hedging but i'm not adding lakers futures for sure even though i don't you know that i don't know that you're ever going to get better odds than that 24 hour cycle on sunday when like the sky was falling and everything was terrible. And we had one glorious day where the Lakers might not win the championship before everything fixed itself again. I, I think that was probably the, the lowest the odds are going to be, but I, I'm starting to wonder the Lakers are starting to remind me a little bit of last year's Clippers team where they had the two superstars, but they never really played together all year. We never really got to see what that team was supposed to be. And of course our answer to that is, yeah, but we know what the Lakers team is. We just watched them win the championship, but we know what LeBron and Davis are, but the rest of the team around them, a lot of the guys around them are different this year. And we haven't really had a chance to see this version of the team, like really figure itself out. We're not going to get a chance to see it at all in the regular season now because we don't know what LeBron we're going to get. We know Schroeder is out now, probably until the playoffs. Um, we haven't really seen not just the chemistry, but also like that, that like winning mentality of backs against the wall. And what are you going to do? How do the new pieces fit in? How to, you know, we're still asking a lot of questions of like, who's the big man that's going to actually be out there. Do they, do they remember that Marcus all is on the team? They remembered the other night, it worked out pretty well for them. Uh, We'll see if they remember he's on the playoff roster and like, I just remember with the Clippers at the end of the season last year, looking back, it just seemed so obvious. I was like, yeah, of, co- of course, of course the Clippers, it, it, it just was, it never worked. It wasn't the right season. They were never healthy. They didn't have the chemistry The, it, it, you know, we had all the reasons in the world, but we never thought it all season long, all season long. We just kept waiting for the Clippers to become the Clippers, the team we thought they should be in the playoffs. And I just am wondering if the Lakers might be that, and like Raheem, you're talking a lot about the the cumulative effect of, of how the playoffs are going to add up. Mm. We've got a Lakers team coming in almost unquestionably at a low point, whatever they come into the playoffs and they're not going to miss the playoffs. If they fall to the play-in, whatever, they're going to beat the Grizzlies or the Spurs or someone like it's going to make their seed worse, but it is going to add to that cumulative effect. It's going to be a team that's already banged up adding more mileage, more games, more LeBron on his ankle. Um, I, I'm still worried about Anthony Davis and that calf Achilles thing. Like at one moment at any game and he's just done like any moment at any point where that pops at all. And I'm not saying torn Achilles or anything, just a little bit, a little strain he's done. I don't think we're going to see him again this year. And like, I'm either one of those guys. I, I feel like on any night at this point, one of those two stars could have that little tweak of an injury and be like, yeah, that's going to be a month. And I think the other one goes and the Lakers are just like, all right, this season's a wrap. This didn't happen for us. Put it in bubble wrap. Let's try it again next year. I'm just starting to see way more reasons why this isn't going to happen. The reason why it is going to happen is still LeBron. LeBron over the last 10 years in the playoffs has lost to the Warriors, the Spurs, End of list. So if they get to the playoffs and they have LeBron, I don't want to fade them, but I'm not adding to my position because I guess I'm fading them, (laughs) but I'm not feeling great about the Lakers
2: chances right now. Raheem, I need to know your thoughts on this. I will tell you this. If you bet the Lakers to win the title every season, every season, (laughs) Since two thousand, if you bet a hundred bucks every season blind on the Lakers, you'd be up three hundred and five dollars. That's with everything else that's gone wrong. You'd be up three hundred five. I get the ROI is not great on that. Let's say you take out the last like four years of absolute of the pre-LeBron mediocrity, right? Your margin is plus seven
3: hundred. I mean, that's and, still impressive.
2: The fact that you're betting
3: one team. To win the championship every year. Every you year.
2: Have, you have every year since 2000. So, like, this is the thing. Like, Ken Barkley once told me, bet the narrative in the NBA, and it has been in my head ever since. It has not escaped from my cranium. It is still in my cerebral cortex, just bouncing around like a ping pong ball. I just I can't think- get over the idea that everyone's like, maybe it's just not this year. LeBron's not healthy. I don't know. Can they do this? And then they do it because they're the Lakers. Basically, we're asking the question,
3: can LeBron come in and improve the Lakers' offense? Because the Lakers already have, they still have the second-ranked defense in the league. Their second in defensive um, rating, you know, they're giving up 107 points per one possessions, even without LeBron and Anthony Davis. So they just need LeBron to come in and be able to score. And I don't know if that's asking too much. Like I, I, I really don't. So it's like I look at this, for, this plus four sixty, and I do think there's some value there. Um, now, obviously, I like the Clippers, but it's just with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are pretty much eliminated from contention. They're not right. a, a contender anymore. Right. Um, we never believed in the Jazz. So as long as they avoid the Clippers, and I, I mean, I love the Suns, but we have questions about them, their youth, and Monty Williams, and It might be too much too soon. So, to me, as long as they avoid the Clippers, they can be anybody in the West. So, I think at plus 460, I kind of want to jump in myself. (laughs) Here's
1: my counterpoint if you are the guy that bet $100 on the Lakers blind to win the title every year, you are up $300, but you are a loser of a person that I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) be.
2: This is where we need to insert that gif of that guy with a chain going Lakers. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I, I think it's tough because let's look at it from what we just talked about with the, with the playoffs. Okay. What is the team that we feel has the answers to beat the Lakers? Like here's, here's a really big issue. You want three point shooting. You want size to manage their physicality. You need a superstar to be able to rise up and hit shots. You need good coaching. This sounds a lot like the Utah Jazz. (laughs) So the question then is, like, because who else are we talking about here? Like, I understand being skeptical on the Lakers. Um, Maybe this is the move, Brandon. Maybe we can find a compromise. Maybe I need to shit, like, because I'm I'm already so much in on the the finals matchup available at MGM of, of Nets Lakers. Like maybe this is just more reason to bet into the Nets more with the idea of like bet the Nets and the Lakers to win the West. Right. Like here's the question in the Western Conference is, Do you think the Phoenix Suns can beat the Lakers? Like no, 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 not can do you think the Phoenix Suns will beat the Lakers? They can. There's a, I can see it, but like, if it's Suns Lakers in the Western conference finals, are you gonna be able to talk yourself into betting the suns even at, at, at a number that is not inefficient? Like if you're able, if you're not yeah. like that, that number's too good. If you're looking at it and you're like, no, that number's priced correctly, yeah. but I still want the suns.
1: So I, I think my answer, and I don't know if this is the right answer, but my answer to this question is that we're framing the question wrong. I think for me, the question is not who is going to beat the Lakers. To me, the question is Lakers versus the field and Lakers versus themselves. And I think if we are talking about the capital, all capitals, Lakers, and they're healthy and LeBron and Davis are healthy and they are what they look like last year, then no one's going to beat the Lakers. There's not that other team. And I might even include the Nets in that because you're going to get this team like one awesome defense versus another one that we don't know if they're going to show up again. How many finals have we seen this one elite offense run into an all around team and the all around team always wins in the end. If it's the all caps Lakers, then no, I don't know who the team is. It's not the jazz. It's not the Suns. It's not anybody. I don't think there's anyone that's going to beat that Lakers team, that the mystical mystifying what we think the Lakers are. My case is that I don't think they are that.
0: Brandon Anderson is a hater,
2: and I think somebody's got to beat them. You can say the field, but you got to be able to identify. If you're taking the field, you still have to feel like the teams they are actually going to face are going to be, be be able to beat them.
1: Yes, but but the series that I think they lose, this is what I think it looks like. I think it looks like be- because I'm betting because I'm feeling like the injury and the accumulation factor. I think the series they lose looks like Anthony Davis, you know, like tweaks something and misses a game. And then they lose that game. And then there's another game where Davis comes back and has like seven points and doesn't look himself. And then there's the game where LeBron has that look on his face that we've seen in other series where he's like, this team doesn't give me enough help. He's got that look on his face for the entire game where he knows he's got the look in his eyes, like this team ain't it. And I, I know it's half, like, that's what the series looks like. I, I don't see what the other jersey is because I see the Lakers jersey <laughs> not hitting it. <laughs> Even if they don't
2: have it, you still got to be better than them. They will yeah. still, like, I guess here's, the, here's an example of this, uh, Brandon. The 2018, yeah, 18 Cavs did not have it. Like, they, they did not.
3: Yeah. Right. At all.
2: But right? they
1: still made the finals.
2: <laughs> but they still made the finals. The 2017 Cavs, honestly, didn't have it. Like, those were not great teams. They just weren't. They weren't very good. But... No, but the 2017...
3: The 2017 Cavs had probably one of the best offenses I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, so, like, that... Honestly, the, the, that Cavs team is a really good example of what I've – like the, I've reexamined that Cavs team based off of this research I've done where one of the things I talk about in the article is can you solve the defensive problems? The Cavs were a bad defensive team that could solve the problems in front of them. Yeah. Um, but the 2018 team, like we know, like they were – Yeah,
3: 2018
2: team. I, the team was garbage.
3: I, I had a lot of money on that Raptor series, and I laid two to one, and I could not believe that they got swept. Like, it's one yeah. of the, it's it's
2: yeah. – oh, my yeah.
3: God.
2: <laughs> right. so, that, so that's the thing, Brandon, is, like, I hear what you're saying, but I still have to find a team that I can look at and go, that team is mm-hmm. going to be the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James.
1: But I think, to, to, to me, the answer is – this sounds ludicrous saying it, but the answer is, who, who is that team? Is that team facing the version of the Lakers that I'm painting – that team could be the Jazz, it could be the Suns, it could be the Clippers, okay. it could be the Mavericks, okay. it could okay. be a bunch of East teams. It's definitely
3: look. It's definitely the Clippers. And I think that's the thing that scares me away from backing the Lakers here because the the, the Clippers are in a three seed and the Lakers are in a six. Like, what if that's the first round matchup? Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's the scary thing because if that's the first round matchup, then...
2: But uh, here's my counter to that. How many times in NBA history do the Lakers get bad luck?
3: that's my counter.
2: that let's move on uh this has been good we'll continue to talk about the lakers i still think plus 460 is probably too good a value to not like i said earlier they have a top they still one of the best defenses in the league yeah plus i mean you're getting four and a half to one right now it's the odds are are crazy right now let me ask a
1: question about the lakers so what what if this season what if a quote-unquote random sort of team wins the title and and we'll say a random we'll say someone like the jazz or the suns that no like no one expected them coming to the season to be a true title contender even right now I don't think most people are putting them at the top of the list what if the outcome of this season is a team like the Jazz or the Suns as champions what will how will people look at last year's Lakers title if like will it be like oh man these two pandemic seasons lots of weird stuff happened and one year we got a weird champ and the other year we got a Lakers champ like is there an outcome to this season that would diminish anything about the Lakers, or no. is it just LeBron and no. the Lakers and it won't no. matter? No. no Basically,
3: so- if you have an agenda, then you're going to hate the Lakers title like you've always done through the last four, five, six months. If you don't, then the champion's the champion. Like everybody's playing under the same circumstances.
2: Uh, I will say this, though. Uh, like Seth Parnell hadn't, had you mentioned Seth earlier, Seth had an, an article how weird this season is. Like this, this season more than any. Like this season, honestly, more than the bubble. Like the bubble, you look at and you're like, but that it, you're inside of a bubble. It was still a more normal environment and a more consistent indicator of team quality. The schedule and COVID and no fans has made this entire season bizarro. It's why shooting is through the roof across the board. It's why off we're going to have four of the top five offenses of all time this season. Like it's wild the offensive production of the season. Um, so I do think that this season it will if the Lakers win, it's valid. If the Lakers don't win, if the Lakers or Nets win, it's valid. If the Lakers or Nets don't win, it's invalid. That's that will be the, the that'll be the narrative going forward. That's just how it goes. Let us do a victory lap. I'm stupid. You're
3: smart. I was wrong, you were right. You're the best. I'm the worst.
2: Uh, You're very good looking. I'm not attractive. All right. As long as you're willing to admit that. So Raheem and Brandon have been driving me crazy since we started doing these pods because these guys (laughs) absolutely love to point out all the things that they got right. Um, My favorite this week has been Raheem bragging about taking the Packers under and the Broncos over before (laughs) the Aaron Rodgers trade news came (laughs) out. Acting like he's some sort of seer, but I'm trying to contain that energy, so I'm going to try and like just we're going to channel all the smug into this segment. Brandon, you're up first. What's your victory lap for this week?
1: All right, so gentlemen, I was all prepared to take a victory lap on Trey Lance, the number three pick of the 49ers, which I called within an hour of that trade when it got announced. But, but this is an NBA podcast, not an NFL podcast. So I can't victory lap about that. We'll just have to celebrate that else elsewhere. My victory lap, sadly, as a Chicago suburban, is the Bulls trading for Nikola Vucevic. This was a disaster. It was a disaster from the moment it happened. The Bulls are not in the playoff picture. They're not close in the playoff picture. Right now, Chicago fans, we're used to this. The Bulls draft pick, if the season ended right at this moment, would be the number seven pick in the draft, right where the Bulls draft pick has ended at like every single draft for the last half a decade. Only Chicago doesn't get any more this year. goes to Orlando now, and that's not just the number seven pick. With those sparkling new flattened lottery odds, the Magic have an additional 32% chance, as the season stands right now, at jumping into the top four of the lottery, uh, which is about the same chance as my Timberwolves keeping their pick at this point, by the way. And I know, I know, Zach Levine is out. That's the easy excuse. We've got a narrative already built in.
3: Easy excuse. He's
1: the best player <laughs> on the team. NDA All-Star, Zach Levine. Zach Levine <laughs> and Nick Vucevic played together, and the Bulls went 3-7. and seven, with Versus who? To Versus who? Losses to the Spurs, the Warriors, the Hawks, the Timberwolves, the Grizzlies, and the Magic all but one of those by at least 9 points. You
2: mentioned two good. teams in there that were not playoff teams.
1: Yeah, how many of those teams are going to play in the second round of the playoffs? Since so they have to they have to beat all of the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams. They have to what They were 3 and 7 against a completely winnable slate of games. They they didn't show up. This version of this team at best, was always going to be mediocre and fighting for one of these play-in spots. Who are the wins against? Pull that off. Without Levine and with Vucevic, they're 4-6. and They're better right now. They have a better record without Levine than with Levine since the trade. Either way, they're below .500. They are below 500. they do not have a first-round pick now the next two years. They don't have a plan going forward. This is what I said from the moment the trade happened. This trade never made sense for the team, and it is borne out over the rest of the season. What do you
2: give me on Bulls playoff odds next year?
1: I don't know. What do you give? What do you give me on bulls ever winning a series with this version of the team? Like I just, what's the point? Of- no, 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 no.
2: The bar has got to be playoffs. That's got to be the bar. You can That's figure out how to win though. after
1: the bar. Well, who cares to get in as a seven or eight? You season can't always be Russian a title versus- contender, Brandon. You just can't always be a title contender. You're working I'm towards them for a title. I'm asking for. Can we dream of winning a playoff series? And right now, this team has no shot of dreaming at winning a playoff series. Their shot is getting in and dreaming about maybe winning one game against a one or two seed, and even that is a dream to me. Bulls
2: fans are nuts. All right, Raheem, what's
3: yours? (laughs) I'm going to go with the Miami Heat. Brandon can probably take this because he actually bet them to to miss the playoffs, which I thought was insane. But this team isn't good at all. I've been saying it for weeks. I got into an argument on NBA League pass with Preston and Justin. I mean, this team is just 11-21 and against teams – at 500 or above last night, they lost about 14 points. I know Tyler Hero is out. You know, a lot of people were excited about this Ola Depot trade, but like I told you, this guy's a shell of his former self. I love Depot, but you know, ever since that first knee injury, you know, it's just been back to back, back injury. So this team is just not going to do anything in the playoffs. We're seeing it right now. Anytime they play a, a solid team, They might get blown out because they just can't score points. I mean, this team is only 22nd in offensive rating in a year where you have four to five best offenses in NBA history. Everybody can shoot except for this team. That's my victory lap. I'm victory lapping it now, preemptively, and I'm going to victory lap it again when they get knocked out of the playoffs. (laughs)
2: So the Heat are currently uh, tied with the Boston Celtics for the sixth seed. The Heat and Celtics played twice more. So there is a definite chance that the Heat fall into the play-in game versus suddenly my Charlotte Hornets. Um, what's what's interesting, so FanDuel and um, DraftKings both have odds to make playoffs up. The Heat are not amongst those. You can't get a number. You can get a number on the Lakers to miss the playoffs at plus 1,000. By the way, there you go, Brandon. You can just bet them to miss the playoffs. Let's go. let <laughs> Slide into the seven and then the ultimate
1: and, victory lap,
2: yeah, and then get beat <laughs> by presumably Steph's Warriors. Um, but you can't get the heat, you can't, you can't. They're still assuming that the Heat are going to get it. Um, the Hornets are actually plus 155. I will probably bet that, uh, based off of like I'm just testing a theory, I won't bet a lot on it. That's but cool I'll probably, I'll probably, I'll, I'll probably bet the Heat, to, the Hornets to win a series with Gordon Hayward coming back at some point, Lamella back, um, mm-hmm. and everything that I wrote about in that article. So Mm-hmm. okay um I think probably my only victory lap that I've got is um that I took the bulls to make the playoffs no that's not it um <laughs> I gotta take a look at where my win where, where my win totals are at it's been a rough one for me I'll be honest with you like it's been a rough one just based off mm-hmm. of the like so here's here's part of it I don't understand how the Mavericks and Celtics got worse that's like a that's like a big That's a big thing for me. I don't understand how the Mavericks and Celtics got worse. How did the Mavericks get worse this year is really baffling to me. Yeah, that that, that threw me off too. Like, that's crazy that the Mavericks got. And they may wind up in the five seed, which is technically better than the six seed. But this team isn't better than last year's team. And that doesn't make any sense at all. And then Boston, like Tristan Thompson should have been better for this team. And they got Robert Williams. And a lot of this is like, Tatum had COVID. He's still taking an inhaler. Kemba was out. But like Kemba's deterioration is really a bummer. I'm just – I really felt like – I don't understand how it seems like whenever I've, I – I know the the Celtics pretty well game by game. I have a good feel for them in that sense. But season by season, whenever I'm like, oh, they're, they're set up great, and I back them, then they fall apart. And whenever I'm like, this team is not good. Like last year I was like, you have Daniel Tice as your starting center. You were going to get eaten alive defensively. And they were like a top – they were like ninth defensively. Yeah. My victory laps are, are never as – rewarding as I want them to be. You know, All right. What was the, you know what, it, what was
3: the We like? got to talk about this Celtics team because I, I just, I came into the season. I didn't understand how you could just let Gordon Hayward walk. And then you have the Miles Turner trade. Oh yeah. And, and yeah. to me, like that's when I knew there was going to be something wrong with the Celtics team. Cause I just don't think you can let that amount of talent leave. And then they're, they're heavily reliant on a, on a rookie point guard and Peyton Pritchett. Like, I just did. I wasn't really high on the Celtics team, but I think there's something else. Like, they're worse than I could ever imagine. Like, there's something else going on there with Brad and the team because it's just they shouldn't be this bad. I agree.
1: Hold on. Matt Matt needs help in his victory lap, so I'm going to help you, Matt. Matt's victory lap is Ben Simmons to be the best defensive player in the NBA, but the NBA Mm -hmm. to not quite be ready to give him the award yet. That's yeah. been the narrative that played out. You called that before the season. Been awesome. It's been in the conversation, but it's going to go to go bear anyway. Exactly how you played out. So that's your victory lap. I do. I, yeah, I am going to like, yeah,
2: absolutely go back. Well, no, actually, I'll tell you, this is the best one. Um, so before the season, I bet our colleague Justin Fan that I bet Obi Toppin to win Rookie of the Year versus LaMelo Ball with the idea <laughs> of. If anybody else won, I'd be fine because I basically I didn't think he was gonna I didn't think that Lamella was gonna win because I didn't Mm -hmm. I really didn't think he was gonna be as good as he was. I was wrong. However, my victory lap is that for some reason when he went down with this injury and the Hornets pretty immediately made it clear that he was gonna play again, I started snatching up numbers at plus two hundred or better all over the place. So I'm paying off Justin and profiting way beyond that. Because I was like, no, no, no. Rookie of the Year does not get judged the same way MVP does. It, the, the standards are completely different. Lamelo's back. He's dishing underhand full court passes. He's absolutely going to win Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to cash on that by, by knowing when to get the best of the number. Even though I lost a Justin fan, I still got the best of the number, and that's what matters. Suck it, Justin. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Action Network NBA podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Check us out on the Action Network app. You can track all of our bets as well, uh, including Brandon's continue-to-be-awesome props work and Raheem's model, which continues to kill it on totals this season. They've both been absolutely stellar. And my first half bets, which have been absolutely great, including my New York Knicks first half Everyone's like, oh, the Knicks are so good against the spread. Not as good as they are first half, baby. That's the best thing you ever put me on to. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> they clean it up. And they're on it again tonight versus the Grizzlies' as dog. All right. Follow us on Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on the Action Network Podcast. We're
1: finished talking.